Morning again. Isn't that fun? Oh my goodness. You can't help but be moved and to see the work of the Lord in people's lives. So for some of you, you are already sensing, and it's that, you know, that, that feeling, that sick, like, oh my gosh, I think I'm supposed to do this today. You're already hearing that, and you're not going to hear a word I say for the next 20 minutes, and that's okay. You've already heard the sermon you were supposed to hear, and Jesus is calling you to make a public, and you're gonna, what you're going to do over the next 20 minutes is you're going to try to talk yourself out of it. You say, no, I just, I can do this later. I don't need to do this here. Maybe with a few less people. Don't talk yourself out. Listen to him and obey. That's all. So everything from here on is blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You've already heard him. He's already spoken. And so I just encourage you to listen. For the rest of you, this one started around a fire. And get that, we're in that time of season where you, you want to get around a fire, sit with some people, get out the marshmallows, graham crackers, chocolate, just make that wondrous heavenly creation called s'mores. But this fire didn't have s'mores. This fire was definitely to keep warm John 18, and it's a backstory to the story we're going to talk about today, but it's an important one because the word, and this is kind of interesting, John in his gospel, when he uses certain words, it's important to pay attention, especially if he only uses them two times in the whole Bible. The word for charcoal fire, believe it or not, is only used two times, and the stories are linked. So I'm going to just give you a snapshot of the first one, and then we're going to go into the second one, because God is inviting you around a fire today with him. John 18, 18, the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing and, wow, it's cold here outside of Caiaphas' house. Who's that guy they got in there? Jesus? Something? It was cold. They were warming themselves. And Peter was with them. Standing there, warming himself. Just that's the setting. I want you to think about it. The warmth of the fire took a little bit of the chill out of the air, but it couldn't touch the cold that was creeping in his heart. It felt like this black sludge that was climbing up and into his mind and heart. And as he stood there and he tried to warm himself, it felt colder. A sickening sense that something was deeply wrong. And then it happened. You know, Jesus, don't you go to Pleasant Valley? No, <laughs> not me. I'm not into that. I swear I've seen you. I've seen you with other people that I know go there. I saw you at, at, at Mugby and you were sitting with those people. You guys had, you had a Bible. Yeah, I know you were there. That, that is, those are your people, right? You believe that stuff? No, I don't. 
warms his hands a little bit more, stands there, this thing that says, and it's the spirit of God, get out of here, get out of here. You shouldn't be here. He stays once more. I know you're one of them. And the scripture tells us that he cursed and said, I am not, I do not know him. And at that moment, he locks eyes with Jesus. This story starts with a fire. Your story starts with a fire. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along this morning, John chapter 21 is the story of the second fire. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord Jesus will draw you in and really warm you up to his love and grace for you. Verse one, after this, so after the resurrection, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, also known as the Sea of Galilee. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, James and John, and two other of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. This last story in the Gospel of John is odd because all three of the other gospels, you know how they finish? Jesus is risen. Go into the world and tell everybody. This one, a fire and fishing and fishing that's not working. Something else is going on. If you haven't believed that Jesus is risen from the dead by now, he's already like revealed himself to all these people. They've actually put their hands into his side. Peter has touched his wounds. Peter was at the tomb. And yet, here they are. Jesus is risen, but something's wrong. Does your life feel like that? Jesus is risen! Yeah. Something's eating away at him. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. Fishing. In my boat. In my old life. What I know. What I can do by myself if necessary. But I'm going. What's he saying? I tried. But it's no use. I'm beyond this whole thing. Jesus is done with me. But Peter, he's risen from the dead. He, he's, he died and now he's risen. We saw him together. He goes, I know I saw him. I went to the tomb first, remember? I ran. I looked inside. I saw him back in the upper room. We watched him eat fish. But I know what I've done. I know what I did, and I am beyond hope. I am beyond his help now. So, I'm going fishing. I'm going back. I'm going back to my old life. Where are you in your life right now going back to fishing? You've tried this whole Christianity thing. 
but you just don't think it's for you. Or you're a believer, but you know what? You're just scraping by. You're scraping, barely, barely actually get in here. Forget anything happening Monday through Saturday that is remotely related to Jesus and his love for you and his transformation of you. Oh, you're just scraping by. You've tried. I give up. I'm going back. Two ways to go back fishing. One, just to say, I don't believe at all. Two, to say, I believe, but he can't do anything with the likes of me. I'm just not that worthy. I'm not good enough. I can't be of any use to him. And so we go fishing. We go back. We give in to anger. We self-medicate. We give in to temptation. The life of Jesus does not, and we think cannot, change us. Fishing. What does Jesus do about this when we give up? What's it say? What happened on their fishing trip? Was it just a banner day? Look at our fish. Like, were they holding up right at this point? No. He let them, and I would say, knowing him, prevented them on their own from being able to catch fish. Nothing. When you go back, maybe you are there right now, and you can't, you're, you're giving in to anything and everything you just don't think there's hope. You don't think there's anything beyond this or you're limping along. You're just limping along in a walk with Jesus and you still think it's up to you. You know what he does? You know how beautiful grace is? Grace applied to your sin makes it to where the thing that you are trying to numb you out or to give you satisfaction, you know what Jesus causes? He causes it to not work. You try and you're like, I just want to zone out. I just want to, why isn't this working? Why am I not satisfied in this life? Because you can't unsee or unhear what you see and what you know and what you've heard. You can't get rid of it. It's there. You have heard he's risen. It's gnawing away at you. And so he actually doesn't just make it not satisfying. Sometimes he makes it awful. You pursue sin and it used to bring you pleasure and now you hate it and you hate yourself for it. And the Lord is behind it. So they decide to go home and sleep this off. We didn't catch anything. Nobody is saying, well, it was great to be out here with everybody. Such a great fish. Nobody says that. <laughs> it's not that. They're like, I hate you. I hate this whole thing. What are we doing? Let's just go back. This is stupid. So what is Jesus doing while they struggle? In the quiet hours of the night, he's walking on the beach. I just want you to picture, even if you can't picture what his face looks like, I just want you to see dark silhouette and just hear the waves slowly lapping on the shore and hear him walking. And he's gathering, putting him under his arm, pieces of wood. And he gets and he kneels down and he, he builds this, not in a hasty way, like maybe how Chad might do it. Should we build a fire? Sure. Just throw it down and get a blowtorch, somebody. Let's get this thing going. He's like, he knows the physics of the thing he created. And so he makes a perfect 
little teepee with enough room underneath. He knows about kindling and it starts small and he's got a little thing in there. I don't know. It doesn't tell us, but at this point he's resurrected. So he could have easily just been like fire <laughs> and it's there. But I, I kind of feel like he's got some time. They're out there struggling. And so he's kneeling down and he's like, bringing it to life, slow, creative, joyful. What's he doing? He's expecting guests. They don't know it, but he's drawing them. He's pulling them. When he's letting them come up empty, he's pulling them to him. The waves are hitting the beach and with those waves come sorrow and longing and hurt, and he feels it. See, here's another one crash. He feels what Peter is feeling. He feels what you feel in your sorrow. And he gently gets that fire burning. He's waiting for you. Not in a, you just wait till I give you a piece of my mind for running away from me. No, he's getting that fire going. He's standing and he's looking. It's like the Luke 15, looking up over the horizon for you to come home. Eagerness, anticipation for you to come crawling back on your face and do the right religious things. No way. But we sometimes think so, don't we? How does God, who is not bound by time, wait for us? God waits both in the middle of our struggle and at the finish line. It's a really weird, odd thing. When God acts, I was telling somebody this this week, he doesn't sit around and go, you're asking him to help you. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. Five, four, three, two. Okay, now I can talk to you. God acts. What does the revelation say? The lamb slain before the foundation of the world? What? Accomplished before there was a blade of grass or a branch on a tree? So what does that mean for your life? It means that he has acted on your behalf. His waiting is an active waiting and one that says, I got this whole thing already done for you. He's not waiting for you to do the right things. He's just waiting there with love. Verse four, when daybreak came, would daybreak come for our hearts? Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, you don't have any fish, do you? I had something to do with that. No, we don't have any fish. They still don't know who it is. So they're like, who's this guy? You know what you should do? You should cast the net on the other side of the boat. If you know anything about fishing in Galilee, it was one, an all-night thing, but also it involved a couple of nets. There was a net that they threw out that kind of created this circle, and one side would float, the other side would sink and kind of create this wall, and then the fishermen would throw a net to the other side called a dragnet and try to pull into... So it wasn't just throw the dragnet and not have the other one. Jesus just said, though, just throw the dragnet. And they're like, that's not how it works. 
That's not what we do. In fact, even they would, the really complicated, interesting process, once they would get fish, one of the guys would jump into the water to start gathering the net around. So it wasn't just this thing where they're all in the boat. And so it's complicated, but Jesus says, just throw it on the other side. You'll find some. So they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, John loves to say that, said to Peter, I think it's him. I think it's him. When Simon heard those words, he tied his clothing around him because he was, they, they would strip down to work clothes, put everything back on, and he, I love this, plunged into the sea. They weren't far from land, about 100 yards. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a, hello, charcoal fire. Second time, only two times. This one, you know him, don't you? No! And this one, charcoal fire, fish on it, bread on it. Hey, bring some of the fish you just caught. Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And even though there were so many, the net was not torn. And John says to the group in the boat, I think it's him. Peter plunged. What a beautiful image plunged in to the sea, off the boat. Anybody think of another story in the Bible where there was somebody on a boat who was kind of running from God and then he had to be thrown into the sea? And then Jesus happened to use that illustration later, the sign of Jonah. Yeah, he plunges into the sea. They didn't know it was him. Now, some people think it was because he was in his resurrected body. Mary didn't recognize him in the garden. The disciples on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him until they broke the bread. They didn't recognize him, but that doesn't mean he isn't there. And that doesn't mean he isn't fully present and working in their life. How often has Jesus been at work in your life and you didn't even know it? What is he doing right now? And you're not even aware that he is gathering wood he is building a fire. He is waiting for you. He is walking the beach of your life right now. He is making a fire for you. And he's waiting, not with crossed arms, angry at you for not being close. He is excited to see you. He is willing to work. He is drawing you in. And Peter isn't making a full connection to what's happening, but he knows enough. He doesn't know if it's Jesus, but you know what he has? 153 reasons to jump. 153 reasons to jump. All you need is one. He jumps. He drags the net ashore. Somebody counted the fish. Matthew, I don't know. <laughs> somebody, somebody was like, just hold on a second. One, <laughs> two, come on, dude. Four, 27. 153. They counted. Peter brings some of that fish. He comes up and he sees the fire and he says, uh-oh, this sick 
shame, guilt feeling rises up in his heart and soul and he thinks, I shouldn't even, I should just leave, right? I, I know, I know, I should just leave. I shouldn't be here. Yet a Jesus who cares, if Jesus doesn't care, there's no walking on that beach. If Jesus doesn't care, there's no fire. If Jesus agrees with Peter's assessment of himself, he is not even on the beach. But Jesus doesn't agree with Peter's assessment of himself. Jesus doesn't agree with your assessment of yourself. He agrees with his truth about you. And he has built you a fire. And he wants you to come to the beach. The love of God built that fire for you. Verse 12, come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They still don't know it's him. <laughs> they still can't tell because they knew it was the Lord, but they're like, I'm not going to ask. A lot of commentators think he probably in his glorified body had this, it was him, but it was like, he, he just, he freaks me out. He looks so something resurrected, glorified, something that you're going to have one day if you know him, your body resurrected and glorified. And so who, they didn't dare ask who he is. Verse 13, Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them. Ring a bell. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they'd eaten breakfast, wow, that was really good. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Well, then shepherd my sheep. A third time, and Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt, walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God, which we know from history, he was crucified upside down. And after this, he told him, follow me. It's easy to keep Bible stories in the Bible, isn't it? It's easy to keep them in this mythical Sunday morning land where it's like, I don't know if that really relates to me, but let me show you a video that I took. You know what this is? This is the beach. This is where the fire was. This is a hundred yards out where they fought all night and didn't catch a thing. And a hundred yards out where they threw the net on the other side and 153 fish were counted on this beach in history. A historical event. This is no myth. This is no Sunday story. This is real. This is true for you. People who were born, grew up, lived and died were actually invited to breakfast with Jesus. Would you go? Oh my goodness. This summer, and I've said some about my sabbatical, but the first few weeks were really hard, very difficult. And I'll just be honest, I didn't know what to do with my walk with Jesus if I wasn't doing this, which that says a lot about some growth that needed to happen in me. Who, what is my identity apart from what I do in life? The Lord was like, yeah, there, we need to work on that. 
But I got to this place and this story kept coming up. And I even told some people, I said, if you want to pray for something for me, this is what you can pray. I don't care about any deep theological arguments or systematic this or this. Or I, and I've been to all that stuff and I've thought all that stuff and I've written about that stuff and I've studied that stuff, but I got to a place where I was like, I don't care anymore. You know what I want? I want to sit by that fire. He doesn't even have to say anything. I just want to sit there knowing that it's him and that I'm invited. I prayed for that all summer. That's all I care about, Lord. I don't know if that, if that makes me uh, unsophisticated and not very smart and not very deep theologically and not one of the super trained pastors. Who cares? I just want to sit with you. I want to sit by the fire. But if I want this, if you want this, then you got to accept the conversation that comes around the fire. And he says, Simon, son of John, he hasn't used that name since when he changed his name. Jesus changed his name to Peter. He just went back to his old name. Kind of like when your mom is like, Charles Henry Ellenberg Jr., you get down here right now. That's my name, by the way. It's not Chad. There's no Chad anywhere on any legal document. So who is Chad? I don't know. (laughs) It's formal. He is going back to his old name. You know what this is? You know what Jesus is doing? He is kindling. (laughs) We got to get this thing going again, buddy. I've got you. I am the source. I will bring this fire back to life. He is restoring him. He's restoring him. Do you love me more than these? So commentators are funny. Some of them actually think he was talking about the fish. Do you love me more than these fish? Which is funny, but then you start to kind of get, or do you love me more than these guys? And not like a spiritual competition, but do you, and here's what I think the most plausible is, do you love me more than this old life? You can choose. God says you can choose. Do you love me more than this? And I think Jesus invites us to pick him. (laughs) Pick him! He, it's better. The other one already leaves you empty. This is about Peter's healing. His relationship with Jesus needs to be healed. Does yours? Does yours? Healing from what? You ever had a sin replay in your mind? Almost like it's an ad campaign against you. It rolls over and over. It reminds you that you're not right, that you're not worthy. Peter needs this night to be healed because he sees it. He sees the courtyard. He sees the people. He sees the fire. He hears the voices. He hears himself cursing and he sees Jesus look at him and he needs it healed. And so Jesus asks him three times not to embarrass him, kind of like one of those awful parenting moments. Let me hear you say it. 
Say it better. Say it louder. Say it. I mean, you're just like after it's just apparent, you're like, so stupid. What am I doing? It's not love. It's not compassion. He says three times because how many times did Peter deny him? Three times. Jesus says, we're going to cover this. We're going to cover this. We dropped off our boy at college a couple weeks ago. We played it cool. At least in our minds, we're cool parents. We're probably not, but we think, we like to think we played it cool. I wanted him to know how much I loved him, but I didn't want to make a big deal. I didn't want to make him feel awkward or, you know, there's other people there. And so, but I can tell you, my heart was overwhelmed with love and pride for my son. And so it was a hug. It was a little bit more extended than our normal pop, pop, you know, it was, there's a bit of a squeeze there. And I just had this moment where I just went and kissed his head three times, just kind of buried my face in his big old mop of hair (laughs) and just said, I love you. Jesus would like to embrace you and kiss you on the head three times and tell you, I have this. What do you need healing from? Where are you going back? Which part of your old life are you giving into? If you're a believer, where are you scraping by and you feel like you aren't even a part of mission with Jesus? Because Peter, this is not just about Peter being forgiven for this. What does he tell him to do every time? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my lambs. And I, I've read before and studied this, and there's definitely, it's agape, phileo. Do you agape me? Yes, I phileo you. Do you have unconditional love for me? Yes, I have friendship love for you. But most actually believe John's just being creative. John does that in other parts of his gospel too. He always has like two, ver- two words for a word. And he'll use the two different ones just to be creative. He doesn't want to be monotonous. Jesus is just literally asking Peter if he loves him. Okay, he's asked, do you love me? And he's doing it three times to restore him to what? Remember that other story? From now on, you will not be catching fish. You will be catching people. That was way back. So what do we have again? Another miracle of fish and a recommissioning and forgiving. That's what our Lord does. Jesus forgives Jesus recommissions Peter. Which one do you need today? So we have a way for you to plunge into the water today. Out of your boat, out of your life, out of your stuff. And I encourage you, take a leap. Now we don't manipulate if we don't have one. We're not gonna see that as a failure. We just know to give you the opportunity. We trust the Lord. That back corner right there, and Dave and Carl, why don't you guys wave because they're the two that are back there now. That's your fire. That's the charcoal fire. And if you are sensing that the Lord is saying, yep, today. And it may be, I need to surrender. And then I also want to publicly profess. Or you know what? I don't, I've never professed my faith publicly in front of people. And I think that's a good step. I think Jesus would say, yeah, he actually told us to, (laughs) to get baptized. So you listen to the Lord, 
you respond to him, not to me. You respond to him. The charcoal fire, the Sea of Galilee, it's all here. How about that? It's all here. And the meal is also here. We got pulled pork and chicken. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> but the meal is ready. The meal is ready. And that's really the picture. It's this Jesus meal, this celebration of his great love for you. I invite the worship team up. I'm just going to pray for the spirit to move and lead as he sees fit. Lord, we love you. Thank you, God, for walking the beaches of our lives. Lord, thank you that even when we go back, and man, do we go back. Even when we say, I'm going fishing, I'm not doing this anymore, I can't. Lord, you build fires and you wait with eagerness and you wait with things already accomplished and you don't wait to berate or to shame us or to guilt us, you wait with a meal and a beautiful conversation to say, do you love me? So Lord, I think there are potentially a couple of different things um, that we could hear from you today, maybe more than that for sure, but some we've been scraping by. We believe you, Lord, and maybe we need to make a public profession or maybe we just need to say in our hearts this morning, Lord, I am so tired of just scraping by. I wanna follow you. I wanna follow you. I wanna hear your heart, follow me. Others, Lord, who have never believed, they've kind of been considering it for a while. They're not sure. Lord, give them one reason to jump today. Give them one reason. Amen. So we're going to worship. We'll stand and worship. If you are sensing the Lord and we just listen to him, um, head right back there. Somebody will talk to you and show you where you got to go. Um, and then if the Lord is done, which he always seems to do it right on time. And we, we, we will make a call if it's kind of getting where there's nothing happening. Um, and we'll start lunch eventually, but let's, uh, let's worship together. And if you are like, none of this applies to me. I've already been baptized. I know the Lord. I'm good. Forget all you people. Never mind. You wouldn't say that. But you worship today as a witness. You worship as a part of the great cloud of witnesses to, and honestly, here's what's crazy. Your worship and your prayers this morning could actually be a part of God drawing somebody to the fire. Somebody into the Sea of Galilee this morning. That's, that's what he could happen, which by the way, that beach, if you wanna go with us, please come with us. We would love to have you. Next Sunday, meet us afterwards. Uh, we do a baptism in the Sea of Galilee. But you listen to Jesus this morning Walk back there. If your heart's pounding, if you're trying to talk yourself out of it, eh, eh, you know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> um, amen. Ready?